My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. AI created Donald Trump rap song first day out hit number two in the iTunes charts. After a big right wing push, it has to be said. And all week long, America has been celebrating hip hop turning 50. Marion, my question for you to start off, is this the lowest point in hip hop history or what do you make of this song? You know what? I, I write about it this week in the Business Post. Oh, there are so many things to this. I mean, did we ever, Jared, think we would be at a point in a presidential election where an indicted candidate celebrates his mug shot, shot with an AI generated song. <laughs> no, it sounds like something out of a science fiction novel. How did we get here? But he's apparently thrilled with it. And Don Jr. came out and said, oh my God, it's hilarious. And uh, oh, so there are so many things. First of all, it's uncanny. It's terrifying because this shows what AI can do. Now, the same rapper, a guy called Hi-Rez, did another one a, a while ago. He knocks these out like one every 30 minutes, it seems. Uh, and the one he did a while ago was a rap off between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. I remember this. Yes. Anna. Yeah. Now, I thought when it started out, it was hilarious because I was like, the Donald Trump rap was really funny. Now, whether you know, I mean, it was cruel, of course, the parts were, were really the burns. Oh my God. But then when it came to Biden, instead of doing a really smart, sassy rap back, they just did an amalgamation of Biden, the compendium of him falling over and stuttering. So it was just cruel and stupid. You know, mm. the Trump bit and the Obama bit, I thought, oh my God. This is going to be crazy in the election. They're going to be able to do all these fake voices, AI-generated voices, having them saying things and doing things that they, they never did. And how the hell is everyone going to tell the difference? And will they even want to? But with this song, you know, I, the funniest thing is, I think the fact that it only went to number two on the iTunes charts. And you know, Donald Trump's going to say it was rigged. It was rigged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all he yeah. needs to do is find another 35 million <laughs> downloads. <laughs> you find <laughs> he needs to pressurize. He needs to get in there and, uh, you know, hassle some people. Yeah. But, you know, there is, like you said, there is a wider story here around the use of AI. And I mentioned it at the very end of the Patreon episode last week about the use of AI to generate fake news, not just fake news, but fake research, fake content, fake studies, wow. uh, yeah. actually plausible things. And so many of the videos that I now get fed by my algorithm on YouTube are different Trump supporters saying, oh, well, I can't trust that news source. 
it, yeah. it, it, it actually does hold, it, it is probably going to hold up soon enough that you have to be very, very careful about what news source you are listening to on both sides. Well, do you know, I think that's true already. I really do. And this is why, I mean, yes, you have to get different sources, but I really do. Like, I remember when I was working in the Middle East and Africa, and I would say to people, AP, Associated Press, is was then for foreign coverage, for all the coverage, the most reliable. And PBS, you kind of, I mean, of course, we all want to go further than that, but but it's really hard because the even the so-called reliable sources are not reliable because so much American media is so polarized now. And mm. I mean, I get the same sometimes squeamish uh, feeling from watching MSNBC, CNN to a lesser degree, although that I just find that really poor programming now, as I do watching Fox News, because the the unseemly glee on MSNBC after Fox was, I beg your pardon, after uh, Trump was indicted and, you know, around the court appearances and all that, I actually found that kind of off-putting as well. And, you know, so already on both sides, it's it's skewed. Uh, So it's tricky. But, you know, the other big thing here, Charlotte, um, is how, if you look at it in the last month, there have been three really big musical moments. Okay. Now we can call, let's let's loosely call Donald Trump's song First Day Out a rap song. Let's let's just call it a rap yeah. song. Um, okay. we, we also had um the the Oliver Anthony um Rich Men North of Richmond, which went to number one with a bullet, if you pardon the pun, because the whole of the conservative movement, the NRA, everybody was behind it. And before that Jason Aldean. And the reason that you have somebody like um, Oliver Anthony, who nobody ever heard of, going straight to number one the Billboard charts in pop music and country, is not because he's a new Bob Dylan or some songwriting genius. It's because Laura Ingram's Tucker Carlson, Marjorie Taylor Greene, and all these people are tweeting out to their followers saying, download this, download this, to get the numbers up, to get them to the top of the charts. And whereas with that song, I think that guy has been a bit maligned and a bit misunderstood. I don't really appreciate him. You know, it's it's really sad when a person who's singing about being poor and downtrodden kicks down on welfare people who are even more poor and downtrodden just because they're overweight. That's kind of defeats the point of his argument uh, when you when you start slanging off fat people for eating chocolate. So, but I think that the the I think that the main part of his protest is authentic. But then he he committed an unforgivable sin, as we know, because after the debate, everybody was going, oh my God, because it was the first, his song was the first question of the debate. And after that, he came out and said, uh, you know, this song was about those guys on the stage. I was like, what? You're saying this song was about Republicans who have put you to number one, who have completely lost their career with their bias. And then he said, it's not about Biden, it's bigger than Biden. And his point was, it's about the rigging of the system in Washington. And it doesn't matter if it's Republicans or Democrats, it's the 1% who are keeping the money at the top for themselves, whereas guys like him are working horrible jobs that they hate because they've no choice. So that was really what he said. And then he was 
denounced by the right wing and they all stopped downloading and they all stopped everything. It was like, you ungrateful little brat. How dare you? But you wonder, and like I thought during this, I was reminded of Snoop Dogg who appeared on this show uh, not too long ago saying, where the hell is the money from these downloads? Can somebody explain to me how you can get a billion streams and not get a million dollars? Like that shit don't make sense to me. Like, I don't know who the fuck running the streaming industry, if you in here or not. <laughs> but nigga, you need to give us some information on how the fuck to track this money down. Because one plus one ain't adding up to two. How yeah. did Oliver Anthony fare out in this? Like, will he see anything from this? Because as you say, now those that were willing to go to his concerts aren't. Yeah, but you know what? Apparently, and it is shocking... I was looking this up, being a bit wonky and going down rabbit holes. And apparently for every million streams, I think it is, is it streams you get $5,000. So every time, for every million times. Yeah. Five. So he has made, they reckon, somewhere between the downloads, if he he hasn't got it yet, obviously. Yeah. Between the downloads and the, the, the views and the YouTube views and all that, he's made somewhere around $350,000. Now, this is for what is, as I said, courtesy of Tucker Carlson and all of the far-right plugging it ferociously before they didn't. And um, This is the biggest song of certainly the year, and it's gone into its second week at, at number uh, one in, in, on the Billboard Top 100 pop and country charts. So it's it, it's a phenomenon. It's been viewed, as I said, 50 million times. It's been downloaded, I think, about 150,000 times. It's been it's been um, streamed 25 million, I think, or thereabouts. These figures are all updating all the time, but they're at the, at the time we're chatting, they're roughly right. So it's actually very little money when you think about it. Now, he says he turned down an $8 billion record deal. Maybe he did, who knows, you know, but it seems that, uh, I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, the other song, the other, the third leg on the stool, so so to speak, was the, which we spoke about, the Jason Aldi, which I put in a different category because that was a completely cynical, absolutely horrible vigilante song with really horrible racist undertones and the only reason that caught on was that song was out and nobody was downloading it and then suddenly he released a video of him singing in front of a courthouse that was notorious for the lynching of black people he shows black lives matter protests intercut etc and the video is just a call to lynching and that was what got him to number one so the cynicism of that was so ugly i mm. i don't think this guy Oliver Anthony is that cynical i think what he i think he's authentic and i think now he's he's realized you don't cross your republican masters but back to back to the rap song back to back to yes yeah. and i is the whole thing is kind of staggering because on one hand it's a bit of fun the guy who did it high res he's some 31 year old who lives down in florida and as i said he's done stuff before and he has just done a rap mix of rich men north of richmond like it's it's that's how quick the business is music is moving now like this guy all randomly has the song out it's only in the second week number one and already this other guy has done a rap mix of it for trump's benefit obviously uh because he is a he is a big old republican and uh and the whole thing and meanwhile then you've got trump trying to knock 
Rich Ben North and Richmond off the top of the charts are Trump's AI generated version. And it you just but Trump has always been obsessed with rappers. And you know, apparently he was really, really, really upset when Eminem do you remember he did that freestyle rap at the BET Hip Hop Awards back in 2017? And he really took on Trump over Trump taking on and 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 really targeting Colin Kaepernick. And Eminem came out with the most scathing, like the most vicious takedown of Trump. And it really was because he is supremely talented. It was brilliant. Tiki torches in hand for the soldier that's placking Comes home from Iraq and is still told to go back to Africa Forking a dagger in this racist 94-year-old grandpa Who keeps ignoring our past historical deplorable factors Now if you're a black athlete, you're a spoiled little brat For trying to use your platform or your stature To try to give those a voice who don't have one He says you're spitting in the face of vets who fought for us, you bastards Unless you're a POW who's tortured and battered because to him, you're zeros because he don't like his war heroes captured. And Trump was apparently absolutely, but I thought we were friends, Eminem. Aren't we both two white races hanging together? But Eminem has never been to, to his credit. I mean, he owes his career to guys like Dre, you know, etc. So he has never been a, a racist ever. And he's, you know, these people are his friends. And every performance he's done since then, including the one in LA at the at the NFL, has ended with him taking a knee in, in tribute to Colin Kaepernick. You know, so so Trump was kind of messing with the wrong guy there, but but Eminem's fans, apparently millions of them, just dumped him immediately after that and stopped, you know, we're we're burning his records or the equipment. I don't know how you burn a record on a download, but anyway, you know, they, they <laughs> how do you protest? How do you do a virtual a virtual burning of a book or a record or something you don't agree with. Um, but it is funny that you bring up Bob Dylan because that is, of course, the first probable example of what you're describing here where somebody takes their fan base and basically says, I don't want you. I'm, yeah. I'm not after you. That might be my recommendation for the week in terms of culture at the end of the show. No Direction Home, the Martin Scorsese documentary oh, about it, that period of his life is just yeah. absolutely yeah. riveting. I think he's, I think he's prostituting himself. Makes you sick listening to this rubbish now. Bob Dylan was a bastard in the second half. I don't think the, the spirit of the Dylan songs is being portrayed in his, uh, with this incredibly corny um, group behind him. I like his earlier records as on his uh, freewheeling LPs, etc. But this I just can't stick. In the yeah. same way that Eminem put put to one side anybody that's interested in that and was like go ahead and don't download it from here on yeah. he he definitely <laughs> stepped in this week when vivek ramaswamy put oh, on what is a cringeworthy display at the uh was it the iowa state fair marion you fill us in on what took place and what eminem was forced to do um Okay, so this happened at the Iowa State Fair, and we we spoke about the fair last week after it came back. I think it was the week before, and it's it's just all of these politicians descend in droves. And this guy Ramaswamy, as we spoke about last week, he is a compulsive attention seeker. He's like that kid in the back of the class who never shuts up, who's always looking for attention. He's just, as we said, he's like or a hyperactive kid at a wedding, but the parents aren't. You know, you're going, where are his parents? For Christ's sake, uh, so. He, um, yeah, he did uh, 
as you say, an excruciating version of Lose Yourself. And the funny part for me was, because I was standing to the side, uh, the governor of uh, Iowa does these fair side chats, as she calls them, where she, do, you know, she chats with all the contenders and gives them softball questions and tells them how great they are. And uh, she was standing there and she was just looking at me because she goes, what? What do I do? What do I do? Do I join in? Do I run for cover? Do I call the police? What do I do? Um, and uh, so anyway, he did. It was terrible. But Eminem came out and straight away did a cease and desist. Now I think it probably had less to do with the murdering of his son and and the, the political connotations and the way there's a weird thing here in the states. And I've seen it so many times. I'll give you an example. At the end of CPAC. Um, CPAC is the Conservative Political Action um, Committee. They have a big three-day convention every year, and it's just an orgy of bigotry and racism, and it's it's appalling, and it's the far-right attend in droves. And in the far-right, there's a subset of these sort of slimsuit guys, um, and they're sort of like really brash. They're all like Viva Ramaswamy. They're 20 and 30-somethings. They think they're the smartest people ever born. They're really brash. They're the kind of people who would think it was funny to torment a homeless person. You know what I mean? Like that, that's me, yeah. how, the kind of people that they are. Um, and anyway, they go there and they try and, and shock each other and out far-right each other. And at the end of it, and at the end of every far-right convention I've been at, where there are young guys, this is what they do, okay? They take their ties off, they tie them around their heads, because that means they're radical, right? That means they're crazy. They Lunatics, knock, yeah. Not like shots of Jägermeister, and they start rapping straight out of Compton. Oh, <laughs> my Lord. This is, I'm not kidding, this is a fixture. All of these rich, white, entitled guys, and, and you know, are just, who are proud of their racism, who wear it as a badge of honour, um, love rapping. They, yeah. they want to be like these guys. They think these guys are badass and they know they're little chicken shits and that, that they run a mile if anyone looked at them crooked, basically, if they didn't, you know. And and But they really are obsessed. And Trump is like that as well. Trump is obsessed with, he loves, you know, um, like he used... Tyson, um, you know, all of these, like fair, the, the a whole bunch of black boxers he used to follow around, he used to follow Don King around. Um, and he had, you know, Snoop on his um, Apprentice show. He had, you know, Kanye. He craves the approval of um, rappers and particularly it seems gangster rappers because presumably if you listen to the lyrics of some of the, of the gangster rappers, they think that being a serial philanderer and covering everything in gold is really cool. No, which yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. Well, look, we all agree on that. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I do think that when you reference this uh, kind of uh, obsession, this group of people have with black culture on yeah. some level, it's connected to the entrepreneurial spirit that runs through hip hop. And you know, I know this is a, like a music based episode in many ways today. But that 50th anniversary of hip hop, and I've been obviously soaking up as much content as I can from this because it really is extraordinary celebration that no music has taken over the world in the way hip hop has. Like you can say what you like about rock and roll, but it definitely didn't take over things like fashion the way 
hip hop yeah. has, uh, like co- the co-opting and the cultural appropriation didn't exist until hip hop. Uh, and so much of, as you say, Donald Trump wanting the approval of these people, it's just, it's just, isn't it the strangest thing that they are identifying one of the central qualities, which was that those pioneers in hip hop were extraordinary business people, like absolutely extraordinary to come from nothing and not just monetize the music, but everything else around it. Yeah, and you know, you're absolutely right about the culture thing because rock and roll was a reflection of what was happening, you know, and it was, you know, when people were wearing their flares and their platforms, etc., that was a reflection of the 60s or the 70s or whatever was going on. But it wasn't, um, but hip hop has done almost the opposite. You didn't have white people, as you say, embracing like that, like, the, you know, the, the Yeezy for, I mean, Kanye's yes, um, sneaker was, culture for a start, yeah. What and, and like, and crazy prices, my God, you know, I mean, <laughs> this stuff ain't cheap, you know, but but it's it's all across the um, white youth. And, and the irony being that it's particularly, you know, the, these people who, who, as I say, they wear their racism as a badge of honour um, are the ones who, who are, are so sort of obsessed with it. And, you know, it's kind of funny because it happens a lot um, at bar mitzvahs for 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 young um, Jewish boys as well, when they turn 13, the very wealthy ones in LA, their parents, it's a thing where you get, you know, a paid appearance. They all want hip hop stars. They all want hip hop stars to, to perform. And, you know, and there have been a couple of times where, you know, really well-known hip hop stars have been paid a million dollars or two million or three million to perform at a bar mitzvah. I'm so aware of these stories. In yeah. fact, the, some, if people want to do a deep dive into the bar mitzvahs that uh, Drake has appeared at, yeah. uh, it really is something. Uh, one of my favorite sitcoms yeah. at the moment, uh, the <laughs> Little Dicky sitcom, uh, uh, covers this extensively. But, I do want to talk about um, Mitch McConnell this week because in the last 48 hours, footage emerged of Mitch McConnell freezing on the stand. And it was like, freezing is the word, Marion, isn't it? It was like your computer froze. We've joked in the past that Ron DeSantis is like an AI candidate who is being fed some kind of chat GPT dialogue was to be more outrageous and more to the right of Trump. But this really was like a malfunction. I wondered, was he having a stroke in the moment? Does What has been the dialogue around this? And does it raise concerns and questions around when do we say somebody is unfit for office while in office? Well, you know, it should raise concerns. And he did, he seemed like a malfunctioning, you know, that AI creature, you know, he, he and it was, uh, this happened, you know, okay, we, we go back a couple of months. So Mitch McConnell um, in the spring had a bad fall in a hotel in DC. He had concussion and he cracked a rib and he was out of um, work for a couple of months, as I recall, uh, he then came back. He looks really frayed. He's lost a lot of weight. And, um, you know, it was clear that he'd had, you know, the ordeal had taken a toll on him. Now, he was um, giving you um, one of those, every Wednesday there are briefings in Capitol Hill and, you know, in the, in the area where the press gathers. And, you know, McConnell and various other people will come out and they'll spout off, answer a few questions. And during one of those, 
McConnell just froze. This was the first time. And nobody really knew what was happening. And then a senator, a Republican senator, John Barrasso, who's also a doctor, intervened, stepped in and sort of guided him away from, from the lectern. Now, the same thing almost identically happened during a press conference in Kentucky. He was asked, uh, I can't even remember what the question was. Oh, would he run for office in 2026? Um, yeah, and he just froze. He just froze and and again it was clear it looked like he was having either a seizure or a stroke and he just could not he physically could didn't seem to have to move or speak it was really disturbing to see the footage of that um and he's 81 so by by senate standards he's a spring chicken practically there are you know a dozen senators who are older than is there oh yeah yeah and uh and so the question is he is the Senate Minority Leader, he has been the wiliest, the most ruthless, and the most cynical operator in the Senate for, for decades. And he is known for it. You know, he's just, he's ruthless about power accumulation. Uh, and, uh, you know, he really, he took a turn against Trump, you know, after January 6th. But before that, when Trump was you know, nominating every Supreme Court judge that he wanted. When Trump was basically doing his bidding, he was fine with Trump. Uh, now, so the, the question is, he's lost a lot of support. He's lost Trump. Trump and he are sworn enemies now. And there has been pressure on him to resign. He was challenged last year by Rick Scott, who's a, a, a senator, a fellow senator from is it Pennsylvania. And Scott was pranced. It went nowhere. McCall still had his grip on power at that stage. But can this guy come back in 26? Should he come back in 26, which is when he's up for election again? And should he not retire now? Because I, he clearly seems to have serious medical issues. He clearly seems to be shockingly frail. I mean, I saw him, you know, if, if I compare what he looks like now to what he looked like when he was, you know, strolling around the Senate six months ago, he's like a different man. Um, so there is clearly something up. And the same thing, you know, with Diane Feinstein, we spoke about this before on the show, Charlotte. She is 90. She had shingles, which was, uh, she had a brutal um, dose of shingles around on her face and her eye. For three, she was out for three months. She came back. She's in a wheelchair. She's permanently confused. She seems distressed at times, um, and she's still in there. Now, in her case, the Democrats say we can't let her retire because the Republicans won't let us replace her on the Judiciary Committee, which was always a given before. Like, if one of your people had to leave for whatever reason, you were allowed to put someone else in. But this time, the Republicans are saying no. And that means that they, there would be a 50-50 Judiciary Committee and nothing would get through. There would be no appointments made whatsoever. So she's hanging in there, really, God help her. And, and just as, as somebody who's just been forced to raise her hand every so often in line with, with the Democrats now, she's being encouraged to vote the way she would vote anyway. But it's still wrong. It's wrong. And these, I think there, I think that there should be... I don't know, age limits or term limits? Because before I thought age limits, I thought, no, because then Marjorie Taylor Reid will be in Congress for another 40 years. God help us. Uh, so, uh, but I think term limits should, particularly with the Senate, because it's six years at a time. And, you know, I think that's... How, how likely is that, though? How likely is such a thing to come about? Like, who has to go well, for that? Because it's basically Turkey's voting for Christmas because the senators have to vote for it. And yeah. the Senate would have to vote. And... Um, 
they ain't going to do it because, as I said, so many of them are over 80 anyway. You know, that, that um, I think well over half of them are over 65 or 66, well over half. And then, that, you know, they're, they're, I think half a dozen are over 85 and about a dozen are over 80. And uh, that was my, I remember just checking those stats a while back. Uh, now, so it's it's awful. And Chuck Grassley is almost 90. And, he, you know, he's, again, the, it's, the, look, I remember when I worked down the law library and I was a barrister. There was a barrister there who was 93. He would run rings around any of us. Any of us. He was so smart and so honest. And, you know, there are plenty of people who are so smart and so honest at 93 and 94. I saw, um, oh, my God, uh, why can't I remember his name? He's a- <laughs> it's your own old age talking there, Marion, <laughs> going up to get you. It's, it's uh, uh, Warren Lear. I saw him give um, a speech when he was 99 at uh, the U.S. Ireland Alliance, the Oscar Wilde's party in Hollywood here two years ago, was it two years ago or thereabouts? And he was, the speech was one of the smartest, most impassioned, funniest speeches I have ever heard. He was 99. So it's not, there's not an automatic thing that because you are older, you know, you lose your marbles. But when people clearly are showing signs of mental and physical decline and they're in the Senate, which is an important job, damn it, you know, then I think that there they, they should there should be a point at which they do have to bow out if they cannot do their job. Well, speaking of which the White House is warning House Republicans that a potential impeachment inquiry into President Biden will only backfire on an already fractured conference. The possibility of an impeachment inquiry appears to be growing, Marion. Speaker yeah. Kevin McCarthy is giving signals that one could be launched as soon as September. If you want to hear the rest of our discussion around that and you're not going to believe this, but it appears that Donald Trump may have inflated his net worth by as much as two point two billion. I mean, how a guy like this? I just I just don't believe this. We have to get to the bottom of it in the second half of our show over on Patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad. Honey, you're ruining our kid is back next week. You'll need to tune into that. Tina is back on the air uh, for a new season there. And of course, I'm back out on tour next week. Come and see me in Birmingham. We've released six tickets, six final tickets available there. And the uh, Brighton, there's still a few seats there. So Birmingham on Friday, Brighton on Sunday. I'd love to see you along there. Marion, we'll continue the chat over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.